If you would, turn in your Bibles to the book of Job, Old Testament book, the book of Job, chapter 28. And if you're visiting, there are sermon notes in the bulletin, Job 28. God is, he exists, and he's a rewarder of those who seek him. In the book of Job, chapter 28, many believe, many scholars believe that this is one of the most critical, if not the most critical chapter in the book of Job. And I got to tell you, I was blown away by that. I started studying the book of Job, well, for our Sunday school, which my plug, I really think you ought to be there for our Sunday school. We're going through the book of Job. We did a big overview, but you can catch up next week, 9.30. That's for the adults, and then the kids would come for their other classes as well. But I started a study of wisdom this week, knowing that eventually we're going to be, our new book study is the book of 1 Corinthians, and so I encourage you to be reading that, get ready for it. Um, I started this study thinking, okay, we're going to do a short study on wisdom, wisdom, skill for living, information from God. I thought, wow, let's do this. And I started working on a passage in Proverbs, and it took me to another passage in Proverbs, which I thought would be a great introduction. And I thought, no, that's an entire sermon by itself. And then I started working on this introduction, and I thought, oh my goodness, this is a sermon unto itself. So I've got three, four sermons all ready to go. This one kicks it off. Job 28, as I started reading this, because I had been reading this in my own personal study time as well, hit me that this fits with our study of wisdom, and that, so I started doing some more in-depth study, and the scholars were writing about this, and the, that they think that, the liberals think that this chapter is so significant that Job couldn't have wrote it, somebody else had to write it, that it got thrown in because of its significance, and I'm thinking to myself, how in the world could I have missed that, that this chapter is that significant? And you'll see as we go through this how powerful it is. And I got to tell you, I believe wholeheartedly the author of Job put this in there. And I lean towards the fact that as Job either recounted this story or wrote it himself, that this was critical because it fits with the overarching theme of the book of Job about being committed to God no matter what you face, no matter what suffering you go through. And you'll see that as this chapter will talk about the pursuit of wisdom, you'll see that it's going to reveal more than intellectual knowledge. It's going to see that ultimately it's going to deal with you pursuing your ultimate goals in life and will reveal what you hold as most important in your life. Okay? And I think that is what is critical because we're going to see the pursuit of wisdom is really the pursuit of God. And you cannot separate the two. God is, the Bible tells us, and rewards people who out of faith pursue him. Yet the pursuit of God, the pursuit of God we know is the God who communicates through his word. Sometimes people say, oh, you become a lover of the Bible. But the Bible, I want you to understand, reveals who God is. God's wisdom reveals who he is. So when I pursue wisdom, I'm pursuing God. And we'll see how those things go hand in hand. And I want you to understand, as we go through this, this study will reveal what is important to you. 
and what you idolize and what you hold dear in life. Even if you're a believer, some things might need to be stripped off as we go through this study. And I truly believe this study reveals what you think wins in life and how to achieve it. And so here's the challenge. Do you pursue God's wisdom because you believe that he rewards those that do? Or do you find your reward in other sources? What are you pursuing in life, even you who are believers? This is perfect timing for this. If someone gets the lights, I thought as an introduction, as a slideshow, that we could show this. Um, we could show this little slideshow, the pursuit of God and his wisdom. And I call it an Olympic pursuit because perfect timing for us is that the Olympics start this Friday. And here's the Olympic symbols. The two games are going on, the regular games and the paralegic games are going on. So we're all excited. And if you're unfamiliar with the Olympics, they're supposed to be held every four years. They switched it around so that every four years, it's, it's almost like every two years, Olympics, summer, Olympic winter. So we've got the summer games that are starting in Rio on August 5th. And as you know, the athletes want gold medals. And here's a picture of an athlete who's won many, Michael Phelps. Okay, I've been watching the Olympics since 1968. All right. And I have watched all kinds of, of athletes go for the gold. And I know that they train very, very hard. Here is Allison Felix. And just as a little side note, her father and I went to seminary together. And I'm hoping that when we have the IOCA National Convention in Kalamazoo, which I'm hoping many of you will go to next year, I'm hoping to bring her father to our church. I was at her house when she was a little girl, even before she started running and talking to her dad and knowing what she's gone through. It's typically what all of the athletes go through. They train hard. And when they train hard, what are they training for? And I know that Allison, I think, is going for, is it the 400 or 400 this year? She's one in the 200, 400, she's running relays. But I know when all of the athletes train, when you train to win gold, you change your diet, you change your sleep habits, you, you sometimes don't get to hang out with family and friends. Athletes that are committed to winning know that there is incredible sacrifice, right? There is nobody that just rolls out of bed and says, hey, I'm running in the Olympics. I am just going to swim in the Olympics. I'll, I'll do it this weekend. You have to sacrifice. You train hard. And then when you go through it, you go through much pain, whether in your training or in the actual contest. This is a picture of an athlete, Carrie Strug, her coach, um, Bella Caroli, from Olympics, I think it was in 2008. She had torn ligaments, and she had to dismount, and she landed on it through excruciating pain. Those of you who remember, we were crying through this thing. It was intense. She went through hardship to win the gold medal, and this this Olympics, if you're going to watch it again, the, several years ago, they realized that part of what makes the Olympics so endearing to everyone is they run these stories on how the athletes train, what they've gone through, the defeats they've, they've been through, family experiences, and so that you can identify with the training they go through, the pain they go through, okay? Now, how does this apply for us? In the same way, people want to win in life, but there are different goals, unbelievers want to win the world's gold. I thought that was really perfect. But if you're a believer today, you're saying to yourself, I want to be gold refined by fire. 
And I, you know, it's so interesting. I did a little word search on gold. Gold gets used so many times as literal gold. Something's more precious than gold. And then we're gold refined like fire. And this morning, there is the reality that each of us must ask ourselves honestly. What is our pursuit in life? Because the way you can look at it is, what do you train for? What do you sacrifice? Where is your real pain? I mean, where is your real hurts day after day when you say to yourself, boy, I just don't seem to be getting ahead in life, or is it that I am becoming more and more like Christ and I don't see myself being more like Christ? That's where you see your defeat. Or your greatest victories are, hey, I can't believe that I'm patient, kind, not jealous, not bragging. I can't believe that I witnessed to that person when I was terrified. What is what you determined to be gold in your life? That's where I wanted to go today, because when you look at this, you look at the effort. I found this picture. It's so perfect. Are you pursuing the world? And here's these guys working the fields, because everything they're about is the gold of this world. The lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life in 1 John. Using Tozier's book, it, you don't have to read Tozier's book, but I thought it was a great picture. Are you pursuing God? And it all starts with the cross of Jesus Christ. This morning, if you've come and you're visiting with us, or maybe you've been here for many, many years, unless you have a relationship that started at the cross where you've come to faith and you've recognized you're a sinner, you're you are in trouble because the only way to really get God's gold, to get God's blessing, to get God's reward is it starts with a faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said, unless a man is born again, he doesn't go into the kingdom of God. Unless you pick up your cross, and that's, we understand, where I'm, I'm a sinner, I need to die to who I am. My whole goal before being a, a believer was to pursue the world. Now, here's the interesting dynamic. Some of us, like myself, would be, wouldn't have been after incredible riches. But there are people that go for the boastful pride of life. I want to have the best family. I want to have the best career. I want to be well-known. I want to be someone that has everything always easy. Whatever your pursuit is apart from God, at the cross, you must lay it all and say, look, I can't, I, it's no longer my will, but God's will. I want to honor the God who died for me. And unless you're born again, you really haven't started down the right path of pursuit of God. And the way you look at it is really what is your life pursuing? You can be honest about how you're spending time in the Word, how you are living your life when no one else sees. Ask yourself honestly, if we took a camera and we followed you around this past week, this past two weeks, would it be down the path of the pursuit of God? Or is it the path of the world? God is not mocked. What a man sows, he reaps, especially in rewards. You can try and take the gold with you, but you really can't. I cannot believe this. I, this was like putting the slideshow together. This is, this is a man. He was a gangster. When he died, he literally had his prepared, prepared. They had his casket made out of gold. Now, I don't know if any of you are grave robbers. Don't go looking for it. But, I mean, could you imagine thinking, I'm, I'm going to be so prestigious. I'm going to die. I'm going to have a gold casket. Subtly, people say, oh, I recognize this, but I'm still pursuing the world's stuff, the recognition, all the other rewards. I want you to ask yourself today, the question is, what do you pursue believing that it will reward you? 
man's wisdom, God's wisdom. Rewards are ahead. Truly, if you think the rewards ahead are coming from the world, then you're going to continue with the efforts of never picking up your Bible, never witnessing, never doing the things in secret that only God sees. Only God sees. I want you to be thinking today about God's reward and what pursuit you are. To be clear, your life reflects what you worship, what you believe will give the greatest reward. This is from a song that's on the internet. Lord, lead me to you forever, Lord. I will pursue, I will pursue. And so if we had a camera on you, what does your life show you are pursuing? Where do you think you will get gold? Get the lights, please. What we have today, if you'll turn to Job 28, is I think one of the most interesting declarations in all the Bible. The context we learn from the study of the book of Job, and I give you the big picture, is Job is the most righteous man on earth, but God wants him to go through a test, and he offers his name up to Satan, and Satan begins to put him through a test. And through 42 chapters, we get the information that God is giving to us through the story of the book of Job. Job, in chapters 1 and 2, loses his health, his wealth, and, and then um, he loses his family. His, everyone's killed but his wife, but his, and his wife comes and says, curse God and die, all right? Satan is challenging Job. Satan has told God, I want to test Job because I know the only way you worship God, man worships God, is because they think that they are going to be rewarded on, in essence, on this earth. And God knows that Job is committed to him no matter what. Now, through the book, Job will have something wrong. Job will think that he doesn't deserve this punishment and that he could argue before God and show God that he's wrong for letting this happen. Job will have to repent because Job needs to understand what God's will is. Sometimes means even if you're righteous, even if you live a godly life, even if you haven't sinned, sometimes you're going to have to go through hardships. And we don't like that theological truth. Job will have four, three friends come to him. A fourth, we'll deal with that later, but the third, three friends that will over and over and over challenge him with the right theology, you reap what you sow, but they will misapply it to Job. And Job throughout this book is responding over and over, no, I am righteous. This suffering is hard. I don't deserve it. God's wrong in this. That's where Job is wrong. But what is Job doing throughout this book that is positive for us? And how does it relate to our study in wisdom? Is that I think it's five or six times Job will make a declaration a declaration that I want to ask you today to make. Job is making declarations, I am going to stay through God, with God no matter what I face. That is what Job is doing. Look, pick up in the context, you're in Job 28, look at Job 27. What Job is dealing with is he comes to his friends and he can, verse 1 says, he continued his discourse and said, as God lived, who has taken away my right. And there's where Job is like, He's bothered by God. He's incorrectly bothered by God. But he says, God was taken away my right and the Almighty who has embittered my soul for as long as life is in me and the breath of God is in my nostrils. My lips certainly will not speak unjustly, nor will my tongue mutter deceit. 
Far be it from me that I should declare you right till I die. I will not put away my integrity from me. I hold fast my righteousness and will not let it go. My heart does not reproach any of my days. Here is the statement as Job comes into the 27th and 28th chapter that proceeds the, that, that basically lays this out. I am committed to God. I am going to be committed to God no matter what. I may think that God is wrong in this situation. I don't like what God has done to me. I don't think it's fair what God has done to me. I don't think in the heart of my, of, of my soul that is, like you, that word embittered conveys the idea of, I, I am really, really hurt. Why have you done this to me, God? That Job is saying, I don't care. Eliphaz, Zophar, Bildad, those are the three names. I am not walking away from God. And that's my challenge to you. Because I know when I look around you, your lives have been embittered. There's been hardships, there's been difficulties, and every one of you, you don't know what's around the corner for you. But God is saying to you, do you believe that I am? He has given us the wisdom of a man who we consider the most righteous in all the world, and he says, I'm putting him on display, and I am putting him through the loss of all of his children, all of his wealth, all of his health, and then I'm having his wife turn on him and become a person who says, why don't you just curse God and die? Then I bring you your three, we, I believe his three closest friends, and when you come finally to chapter six, Job is like saying, my goodness, don't you understand when somebody is hurting, can't you just come alongside and be kind? Why do you bring this false theology why do you bring the false application? You reap what you sow and you throw it in my face. I should just totally walk away. Because God, you can't even give me good friends. But through this, the cycle over and over and over from Job is, I will be committed to God even though I don't understand what he's doing with my life. I cannot wait to come and I know as my Redeemer lives, I will come forth as gold. I'll stand before God and I'll prove God wrong. We know that Job's going to have to repent of that attitude, but what he's got right and the attitude that I want you to have is I will be committed to God no matter what. It is in that context, and that's what you don't want to miss, the picture of God, of Job saying, I am committed to God's wisdom. When he says, I'm committed to God's wisdom, he is saying that in the pursuit of life, and as people look for answers and what they, they sow in life, what they pursue in life, is that I know that the only answers come from God. And for me to turn against God would go against my very soul. That is what I'm asking. As you deal with death, loss of financial stuff, embitterment, children that are wayward, whatever you go through, whatever physicality you go through, that in your heart you will say, I will pursue God no matter what. So Job goes on, and he, he talks about in chapter 27 through um, the end of that chapter, about he knows that in the end the wicked people lose. Look at verse 13 of 27. He says, that is the portion of the wicked man from God and the inheritance which tyrants receive from the Almighty. Though his sons are many, though they, are, they are destined for the sword, and his descendants will not be satisfied with bread. His survivors will be buried because of the plague, and their widows will not be able to, to weep. 
Though he piles up silver like dust and prepares garments as plentiful as the clay, he may prepare it, but the just will wear it, and the innocent will divide the silver. He has built his house like the spider's web, or a hut which the watchman has made. He lies down rich, but never again. He opens his eyes, and it is no longer. Terrors overtake him like a flood. A tempest, a storm, steals him away in the night. The east wind carries him away, and he is gone, for it whirls, whirls him away from his place, for it will hurl at him without sparing. He will surely try to flee from its power. Men will clap their hand at him and will hiss at him from his place. What he is saying is, in the end, the people who pursue the things of the world lose. And that's what I'm trying to get you to understand. Your pursuit of the world, and even if it creeps in and you think you're subtly trying to have your feet on both sides of the fence, oh, I'm a believer, but I'm uh, I'm pursuing God, but most of my actions are pursuing the world, you're going to not be rewarded for it as a believer, and if you're definitely all on that side, you're definitely not going to reward, be rewarded because you're going to lose. And it's at this point, the 28th chapter comes in. Like I said, pivotal point. This is like his last arguments as the book is concluding because Job is going to be done talking when we come into chapter 31, 32. His friend Elihu is going to talk and we're not going to really have the focus on Job anymore. So what makes the 28th chapter so important? It's his stand. It's Job's planting the flag. It's Job saying, I know where wisdom comes from. And my actions and my pursuits, as I look at it, I recognize I've got to pursue God because any other pursuit is foolish. So look on your sermon notes. I put on there, there are two contrasting answers to the same question. There's one question that gets repeated in the 28th chapter and I didn't even have it to be a fill in blank. It's where can wisdom be found? Let's look in verse 1. Surely there is a mine for silver and a place where they refine gold. Okay, because people were pursuing gold back then. Gold medals, gold for wealth, gold for Fort Knox. The book of Job was written in the year 2100 to 1900 BC. And Job is talking about how mankind is mining somebody people talk about evolution and man falsely talk about evolution how man is developed and 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 they are finally now coming up with ingenious ways to do things listen 2000 or so bc job gives us one of the greatest insights into the development of man that mankind were mining they were going deep in the earth they were drawing ropes down in there they were having obviously the light to go in there they were pulling out resources and then refining it so catch all that in the back of your mind all of this as job begins a section of the pursuit of wealth mankind will go for anywhere to find wisdom they will go anywhere to find wealth and the comparison, so you get it, is how you need to be pursuing it in the right way. So look at verse 1. Surely there's a mine for silver and a place where they refine gold. Iron is taken from the dust and copper is smelted from rock. Man puts an end to darkness and the farthest limit he searches out the rock and gloom and deep shadow. Verse 4. He sinks a shaft far from habitation, forgotten by the foot. They hang and swing to and fro from men. The earth from it comes food and underneath it is turned up as fire. Its rocks are the source of sapphires, and its dust contains, there's our word, gold, okay? Verse 7, the path, no bird or prey knows, nor has the falcon eye caught sight of it. The proud beasts have trodden it. 
nor has the feast line passed over it. He puts his hand on the flint. He overturns the mountains at the base. He hews out channels through the rocks, and his eye sees anything precious. He dams up the streams from flowing, and what is hidden he brings out to the light. But where can wisdom be found, and where is the place of understanding? So one B on your sermon notes, man digs for treasures. Man will do whatever they can to find the wealth that they think will make life go. And, and this is what we know. Mankind pursues whatever they think. And so if a person thinks that wealth is in the depth of the earth, they will dig. They will go to the depths of the depths of the depths. And the reality of it is, is we know that this is what mankind does. Mankind will search to and fro, here and there. They'll put all of their effort into finding what they believe will bring them wealth, bring them blessing. The lust of the flesh of the eyes, the, boast, the, the lust of the eyes, the, the lust of the flesh and the boastful pride of life, we know is what man pursues. And I want you to honestly ask yourself, what are you pursuing in life? Mankind, mankind digs up treasures they put forth the effort but fill in the blank yet the material of the earth does not reveal true value you put in the word value or put in wisdom because verse 12 says but where can wisdom be found where is the place of understanding man does not know its value nor is it found in the land of the living the deep says it is not in me and the sea says it is not with me Pure gold cannot be given in exchange for it, nor can silver be weighed at its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir and the, and the precious onyx or sapphire. Gold or glass cannot equal it, nor can it be exchanged for articles of fine gold. Coral and crystal are not to be mentioned, and the acquisition of wisdom is above that of pearls. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. Again, coming back to gold, it's amazing. 2000 BC, some, what, 4,000 years ago, mankind still valued gold, whether it was the gold medals or whether it was the bars that would go into Fort Knox, right? But the idea here is that you can't do observational studies and find wisdom. Man can't come up with this on their own. Where can wisdom be found? It's not from the earth. And, and you know, Today, in our information age, the information super age, the highways, the, uh, on the internet, the books that are written, mankind is, is, is beaming with all kinds of knowledge, all kinds of information, all kinds of self-help books, all thinking that these are the answers. And we know our world has never been more in turmoil, has it? Families are more and more divided. Families, children, things are more and more wayward. We wake up every morning, more murders, more hatred, more anger in our world. And it's because our world, and especially we know in our country, a country that has turned its back upon God, has said, we don't want your wisdom. We believe science gives us the answers. We believe science can tell us about how we came about and we'll go to evolution. We believe that we can come up with self-help books that will help you with your family, with your business, with your children raising, with your dealing with anxieties, your dealing with your fears. We have all the answers. And so you go into a bookstore, you go into the library, and you're filled with books, self-help books. You heard about the man that 
this is a joke because of trying to went into the self-help book store went to law, went to a bookstore goes into the talk to the to the um clerk and says look i need some help with a certain problem i have i need to find your self-help section and the clerk said well if i showed you where it is wouldn't that defeat the purpose self-help books okay all right look where can wisdom be found job turns to answer that pick up in verse 20 where then can wisdom be from and where is the place of understanding all right so he asked it in verse 12 now he asked it again here in verse 20 where can wisdom be found where is the place of understanding understanding is where you get it where it all comes together where can it be found and he says thus it is hidden from the eyes of all the living and fill in the blank it's hidden from man mankind can't get it and i'm going to just jump ahead because it's spiritually given wisdom from god has to come from god when we're going to study first corinthians we're going to see in first corinthians chapter 2 that god's wisdom confounds the people of this world god's wisdom goes against what people see what people observe what people think is naturally the right way to go and, and so when he says verse 20 where can wisdom be found verse 21 it is hidden from the eyes of all the living concealed from the birds of the sky abandoning and death abandoning is destruction and death say with our eyes we've heard a report of it and i think this is going a little bit to the idea of like hell and death and that we there are some aspects that people understand there are there's a spiritual world out there and that's why i think sometimes the world does seances and they try to get involved in mystical aspects of it but we know that if they do their seances and they do their mystical aspects that the reality of it is, is demonic sources will not give truth so there's this reality that some people kind of get it and some people do like the shirley mcclains of the world think that we have to go and tap into the spiritual world but the reality of it is is whether man is looking through things that they can see or trying to even tap into the to the mystical world they're not able to get it verse 23 god understands its way there's the declaration fill in the blank it is revealed in god verse 2b uh, 2b it's revealed in god god says verse 23 god understands its way he knows its place for he looks to the ends of the earth and he sees everything under the heavens when he imparted weight to the wind and meted out the waters by measure when he set a limit for the rain and a course for the thunderbolt then he saw it and declared it and he established it and he's also searched it out for those of you who know your bibles that, that should immediately hit you in in your mind proverbs chapter 8 where god tells us the very world was put together through his wisdom but it, then it expands and it's the wisdom for life living family marriage children raising career dealing with problems dealing with mess things you've messed up dealing with your finances dealing with everything everything that we need to understand god has rooted in his word because it's representation of who he is and so verse 27 then he saw it and declared it and established it and he also searched it out and to man he said behold the fear of the lord is wisdom and to depart from evil is understanding now this is what i want you to see fill in the blank god reveals it just fill in the blank fear god depart from evil 
and you say, wait a second, depart from evil, fear God, fear God, Proverbs 1-7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear of God is one of the most important concepts throughout the Bible. It's the idea of having an awareness, listen to this, that God is and I have to deal with him. The word fear means to be afraid. Sometimes it puts in, in, in the sense of awe and put in the idea of reverential care. Here's where I want you to understand. You think, well, how is this foundational to wisdom? Because this is where it all comes together. If I am going to find wisdom, if I'm going to find the skill for living, wisdom means skill for living. It's a word that, that conveys information applied. In Exodus 32, 33, the people who put the tabernacle together were called wise. They were filled with wisdom. They put together an ornate tabernacle. And that is what God wisdom does for you when you are a wise person you can put together a beautiful life how does fearing god lay out the foundation the basis it's because ultimately listen you recognize that god exists and i have to deal with him there is no way that i cannot deal with god i must be god conscious in all that i do in the way I speak, the way I think. I like the way I challenge you with the way you think because no one knows. No one knows when I lust. No one knows when I dwell all the time on, on the things that are so important to me. And challenge yourself right now. If you had to say, what is the thing that you most think about? And it could be, oh, I'm pursuing money, or it could be, I just want to have the most perfect family, and I want everyone to think I'm the world's greatest mom or the world's greatest dad. Uh, it might be that I want the greatest aspiration i want public respect i want everyone to think i'm the greatest servant here I, I don't know what it is but instead of do you think about god's glory and 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 recognizing god's honor and pleasing god remember the bible talks about pleasing god it all ties in because god is i put together a list and i uh, to, to challenge you because you see that line there you say Okay, fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. Fear of, Lord, fear of the Lord, that's wisdom. To really grasp it, I want you to start thinking about is, what do you really fear in the sense of what do you worship? Because we know that the world does not worship God. And as a side note, let me just take you to Romans chapter 1. We got time, real quick. Romans chapter 1. You see, the world doesn't fear God. And in Romans chapter 1, we get one of the greatest pictures of what happens when you don't fear God. You don't worship Him. And, 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 and you don't believe that God is. And so, in Romans chapter 1, the Apostle Paul tells us, Verse 18, the wrath of God is revealed against heaven, against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Verse 18, because that which is known about God is evident within them. God has put the awareness of him in everyone, but mankind, sinful man, rejects it, for God made it evident to them. Verse 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. Because Proverbs 8, Job 28 God has put wisdom in this world in the way it operates, that people should recognize that God is and that he should be worshipped. 
being understood through that which has been made, verse 20 concludes, that they are without excuse, without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their, futile, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became rich and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that they, their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for lie and worship and served the creature, the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. You see, they worshiped the world, what they could see. And instead of fearing God, honoring God, they worshiped the creature and all the list from the homosexuality to the being so evil that you're disobedient to parents to being filled with unrighteousness, verse 29, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, and being so horrible that you're a gossip, okay? Slanderers, haters of God. All of this comes from people who will not worship God, in essence, who do not fear God. And when you fear God, you believe that he is and that when he says something, it is his wisdom that you have to live by. And so turn back to Job 28 and you see that line there and I hope you filled it in. You see, I want you to ask yourself some application questions like number one, what do you fear? Fill in the blank. What understanding do you pursue? Those are the application questions with the third application question, not on your sermon notes, are you committed to God? Are you committed to God? You see, here's the thing. Let's say you're a believer today. You profess Christ. Ask yourself, what are you really pursuing in life? Where are your efforts, your intensities, the things that you think are going to get you the gold? So I, if you're not a believer, I want you to ask yourself, what do you really fear in this world? I fear losing my status in life. I fear losing my family. I fear losing my money. I fear losing my marriage. I fear losing my, the joy that my children give me. I fear losing my free time. You might put it this way. I fear man. I fear poverty. I fear death. I fear a sexless life. I fear whatever. But I tell you, believer and unbeliever, this is a good challenge. I want you to say, I fear the Lord. The number one person in my life is God. God is not just a, a series of, of doctrinal pieces of information that we throw together. He is. He's a real person. And God tells me at the heart of wisdom is that I must believe that he is. And so here's the challenge. The Olympics start Friday. You'll hear stories of how people strive and train to win. It'll be all around the news. And if you, even if you're not a sports person, you're, you're going to hear it. But if not a sports person, you understand the concept then. You're going to pull for these Olympians. You're going to cry because they got the gold. You're going to cry because they've lost. You cry with pain, win or lose. But it's no different in life. And what do you really think gives you joy? The joy of the Lord is my strength, the Bible says. It is not a quip, but a reality that if your focus is on God, nothing else matters. Job is saying in Job 28, if you haven't got the picture yet, is Job, who has been challenged, Satan wants him to curse God and die, is saying, 
I don't care what I'm going through, even if I don't understand what God has done, even if I think that God has embittered my soul, I believe that God is, and I believe that his wisdom is the only wisdom that matters. I will pursue it no matter what. I will, I will stand firm on that. I will not walk away from God. I will not curse God. As he said, far be it from me that I should walk away from God is that in essence of what he said in chapter 27. Far be it that I would speak unjustly of God. Far be it that I curse God. Far be it that I think that, that I would walk away from, unrighteous, from righteousness. I will stay committed, even if I don't understand. And today, I don't know what everyone is going to go through. What you've all gone through, every person, as the Bible says, knows its own pain. You know it deeply. You know it when you put your head on the pillow and you're crying yourself to sleep. But I am asking you, no matter what you face, stay committed to God. Stay committed to his wisdom. Fear the Lord. Know that understanding comes from him. Trust him even when you don't know why you've gone through what you've gone through and what tomorrow is. But you're going to pursue him. And to pursue him means that you're going to be in his word because his word reveals who he is. So here's the question. Will you be a person committed to pursuing God no matter what you go through? I'm asking you as we go through the next few weeks, I'm excited about this study. I want you to pray about any idol that you have that God would reveal it to you so that you would say, I don't need to pursue this. I'm going to stop this. I'm even going to stop. I'm a believer and I have set up idols. The things that I want in my life, I'm I'm going to repent of those, God, and I lay them at your feet. I want to pursue you and your work, your will in my life. But if you're an unbeliever today, here is my challenge to you. I'm telling you that whatever you think that you're holding on to, that you think that you're worshiping, because it's not just, oh, I love my sexual immorality. It's you truly believe that that joy that you get from that is is something worthy to worship. I'm telling you, it's not. In the end, you lose. If you think that you're a wealthy person and you're going to hold on to your gold and that's, you're, you're, pers- you're pursuing it through corruption and lies or, or you're somebody that works so much that you're never around your family, in the end, you're going to lose that too. I ask you, if you're someone who's not a believer in God, challenge yourself because whatever you think you're holding on to, you will lose. And I'm telling you to turn to Christ because when you turn to the cross, it's only through that do you find true wisdom, you find the reward that will be there forever. That's what Job is saying at the end of 27. You pursue the things of the world, in the end, you lose. You lose. So where is wisdom found? It's found in God. Fear him, worship him, believe that he is. Let's pray. God, I am praying that today's challenge has really struck in the hearts of everyone here that there's an honest awareness of what we think really matters. I'm hoping, God, that there's a sense where we are going to be people that will be strengthened in our pursuit of you, that we, like Job, can make a declaration, that we understand chapter 28 is not an arbitrary passage thrown in the midst of, uh, of a lengthy discourse of jumbled ideas, but it is a declaration from a man who has been pushed to the brink And God, I love our congregation. I love the people in this congregation. They have been through much. They have been through, some of them have parents that have been horrible to them. 
and then they've gone through some physical problems, and then they've gone through tough times with children, and they've gone through tough times with spouses, and then they've done things that they, 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 they themselves are very embarrassed by. And God, there could be a time where we could just say, God, where have you been in my life? Why have you allowed me to do this? Why have you even let me slip up? And their souls could be embittered, but I'm asking that God, you strengthen them, that they would not, they would not give up. Like Job, they would make the declaration, I know that wisdom only comes from God because at the heart of Job's declaration is that he believes that God is and needs to be feared. But I also know, God, that times people need comforted. They need the sense of your spirit and the love and the joy that could make it through and help them make it through a day because this life is hard. And I know, God, that not everyone in this room will have everything restored like Job got restored. Some people die in their bitterness and the hardship and the difficulty. But I pray, God, that they will be people committed like Job to never give up their righteousness, never curse you, never turn away from you. Because I care for these people. As a pastor, I intercede for them. I pray for them. I ask God for your protection for them. And I pray, God, that through it, whatever we're going through, that we are people who recognize the corruption of the world is so pervasive and it creeps into our lives. And at times we find ourselves not fearing you, but fearing losing status, losing our marriages, losing our children, losing our wealth, losing the things that bring us joy, when in reality, the only thing we should fear is you. All of those things, whether it be marriage or children or career, are all good things, but when they become more than you, they become idols. And I'm asking God that there is an honest awareness for all of us of what we idolize in this world. But for the unbeliever, Father, it is my prayer that somebody is here today and they recognize that they fear the things of the world more. That's what they love. They don't want to lose the things of the world and that they, God, need to recognize that as a false pursuit. It will be an empty pursuit. They will lose. Help them understand the weight of their sin and the judgment that they are facing, that the penalty for their sin is death, loss of everything, the destruction of everything. And like Job described, they will lose everything. And God caused that awareness today to have them turn to Jesus Christ, the only Savior, the only path that will bring true, lasting reward. Please, God, how we pray that someone comes to faith today. In Jesus' name, amen.